We all have a lot of complex feelings about money. It can feel scary and overwhelming. But here's the thing. How we do money is connected to everything else in our lives. We need to start viewing finances as an integral part of our creative expression and overall journey towards living with purpose and joy. Maybe it's time for a cleanse. No, not that kind that involves juice fasting and greens. A money clutter cleanse, if you will. Yes, I made that up. So why is this so important when looking to improve your overall money mindset? In this episode, founder of the Becoming Infinite Method and Manifesting Mentor, Cooper Gillespie, explains how small changes to our day-to-day thought patterns and habits create transformative results in a big way. Cooper shares her simple seven steps to alchemize your money clutter to transform your financial stress to success. So grab a cup of coffee or tea, and let's dive into the ways of freeing ourselves from all that pesky financial clutter. And to help you revive your money mindset, Cooper has generously given all our listeners free access to her Alchemize Your Money Blocks mini course. Take inspired action and start cleansing your money clutter today. I'm Bob Wheeler, and this is Money You Should Ask, where we explore why we do what we do when it comes to money. Cooper Gillespie is a spiritual business and manifestation mentor who empowers people to create more abundance and freedom so they can live lives they can't wait to wake up to. Cooper has devoted the last 15 years to studying human behavior and how to expand human potential and is always exploring the question, what makes successful people tick? Her transformational certification program, The Becoming Infinite Method, trains the next generation to harness the power they were born with so they can heal themselves and their clients. She believes when people are empowered to live their most expansive and inspired lives, they create a ripple of light that encourages others to do the same. In her spare time, she enjoys playing music, spending time with her puppies, and traveling to exotic places. I'm so excited to have you on this show, Cooper. Welcome. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, I am too. (laughs) I think we're going to have such a great conversation. And what I love is you are a spiritual business and manifestation mentor. Mm -hmm. What all does that entail? (laughs) Essentially, I really mentor heart-centered women to do business in a way that feels really aligned. Like bro marketing is out as far as I'm concerned. (laughs) We really focus on building businesses in a really heart-centered way that is very much It feels good for both the person on the receiving end, the customer and the person who has the business. And then manifestation, I say I'm a manifestation mentor. Really what that means is just consciously creating the life that you want to live. Because for 33 years of my life, I didn't know that I could actually create my life. I just sort of lived unconsciously reacting to whatever happened to me. And once I figured that out, I was like turned on and I wanted to share that message with as many people as possible. So I also help women who don't necessarily want to have a business, but they just feel stuck, kind of get unstuck and actually see their personal power, step into their personal power. And do most people, most women that come to you, do they already resonate with heartfelt? Do some of them discover it along the way? Like, is it something they come in with this intention of, I'm going to look for heartfelt and Cooper looks heartfelt, or (laughs) is it a discovery? I think a lot of people are looking for, they've tried other programs or other mentors and it hasn't felt right. 
And then they come upon me and they're just my people or I'm their people. You know how that works. Like we're not all for everyone. Yeah. And they're like, oh yes, this is why I've been afraid of sales or why I've been afraid of money or whatever it is, because I was doing it in this way that was someone else's way that didn't feel good to me. And they come to me and they realize, oh yeah, there's a softer, more feminine way to do sales and money. And so they find me <laughs> and I'm happy they do. That's awesome. And to be fair, heartfelt can also apply to men. Yes. Absolutely. Or... <laughs> Absolutely. And when I say feminine, it's more about the energy, not about the actual gender. Cause I do have men clients too, but it's less <laughs> about that, like that sort of bro marketing, like close them. You got to close the client, all that stuff. I guess that's what I'm right. talking about. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm just giving you a little grief. So you talk about living unconsciously. You lived unconsciously for 33 years. What does that mean? And how do listeners know that they may be living unconsciously? So I would just sort of react to people, to situations, emotionally, you know, to anything that was happening in my life. And I didn't realize that I was actually creating any of that. And what happened was I ended up in a deep, dark place, a dark night of the soul, as so many of us personal development people do. Actually, I was in a really low place. And what happened was my mom invited me on this cruise. And I was like, yeah, I want to go on a cruise. And she said, but it's an Abraham cruise. Do you know who Abraham is? And I was like, no. And she proceeded to tell me that Abraham Hicks was this like primordial being or beings that were channeled through this lady named Esther Hicks. And I was like, oh, hell no. That is not for me. That sounds like some weird hippie stuff. Absolutely not. And my mom was like, listen, you only have to go to one Abraham thing and then you can just enjoy the cruise. You don't have to go to the rest. I was like, okay, fine. I'll do it. And I went to that first Abraham event and I'm so glad I accepted my mom's invitation because I heard a message that I had never heard in my 33 years of life, which is that you have the power to consciously create your life. Now, is the channeling thing real? I don't know. I decided I didn't need to know. I decided I didn't care. What was important to me was waking up to my personal power. So I think that people know that they're living disempowered or that they're just reacting to life when they feel helpless and like, Things are happening to them and they don't feel like they have any way to change their life. And the truth is we're creating every single moment of our life and we do have a power. Sure, there's things that happen. Like I think that there's a big misnomer out there with the law of attraction where people get blamed like, oh, you must have been thinking negative thoughts and that's why that bad thing happened to you. I don't believe that at all. But I do believe that if bad things happen to us or things that don't feel good, we have the power to choose how we react to those things and how we move forward. So that's the message that I share. Everyone has power to change their life, even if they're in a dark place, you know, a negative place. Yeah. And I think the other piece for me, my personal perspective, the law of attraction is great and you have to show up and do a little bit of work and actually receive it when it shows up. If it doesn't come in the blue box, be aware that, okay, it came in a green box. I can work <laughs> with that. So I think there's this belief that we get to passively just wait for it to come to us. Yeah. And me personally, I think we have to actually engage and proactively bring in the attraction. Absolutely. That's why in my programs, there's way more universal laws. I teach about 17 of them. Because you really need all of those other laws in order to make the law of attraction work. And one of the laws is the law of inspired action. You got to take inspired action. You can't just sit there and like <laughs> vibe out on a Lamborghini showing up in your driveway. If you want a Lamborghini, you've got to like go down to the lot right. and test drive it and do all those things, you know? <laughs> Absolutely. And then when it shows up, be aware that it's showing up. I'd be like, thank you. Because a lot of times the gifts come right by and you're like, oh, there it went. Yeah. <laughs> There's that famous, I don't know if you want to call it a parable, but 
there is that story about the guy who it's flooding all around him and he gets up on his roof and he prays to God, God, please deliver me from this flood. And so a helicopter comes by. They're like, get in the helicopter. He's like, no, I prayed to God. And then the neighbor comes by in a boat, get in the boat. And he's like, no, I prayed to God. And then he dies in the flood and he gets up there and he's like, God, what the heck? I prayed to you. And God's like, I sent you a helicopter in a boat. What more do you want? What do you want? <laughs> Take the invitation. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Totally. That's exactly. And that's the point. So many people are fixated on the way it shows up instead of it showed up. Exactly. And we get caught up in the semantics or the details instead of the big picture. So, yeah. And I think a lot of times that things will show up in way cooler, wackier ways than you could have ever imagined. So that's why it's so fun to like put out what you want and then let go and see what the heck shows up because it's probably going to be way cooler than what you originally thought of. Absolutely. Now you talk about money clutter. What is money clutter? Money clutter is when you're not taking care of your money. That's one thing that I learned the hard way. You have to respect your money. So if your money is like all over the place, and I know not so many of us carry actual physical cash anymore, but if you do carry cash, make sure your cash is all organized, like from biggest bills to smallest bills, turn the same way, in a nice place, in a nice wallet, no like ratty, gross wallets, have a nice wallet that makes you feel rich, right? It makes you feel abundant. And also know where your money is. And if you have cards, keep them organized or only carry what you need. Don't have like cards all over the place in your purse or whatever. But also just take care of your money. Like I remember I always tell this story when I was a very young woman as a waitress at a restaurant and I was complaining to my parents, I don't have any money. I don't have any money. And then I cleaned up my floor and there was like $600 or something just like lying around underneath all the crap on my floor. And it's like, no wonder I was always feeling broke. I wasn't respecting my money or taking care of my money. And so that's what I mean about money clutter is like, take care, be very organized with your money, know where it all is, put it in something that feels nice, all of that. No, that makes perfect sense. We have to be intentional. We have to respect it. We have to have awareness, intentionality. Yeah. You talk about that there are seven steps to alchemize your money clutter. So what are those and how can they help your listeners? I think one thing a lot of us don't realize is that we probably have a lot of money that is either owed to us or somewhere out there in the ether that maybe we have forgotten about. And I think sometimes when people owe us money, well, first of all, I have a whole other thing about that. Never lend money to anyone unless you consider it a gift and you're okay with never giving it back. That's my personal belief. But then if you do choose to lend someone money and there is that idea that they're going to pay you back, it helps to reach out and actually have that conversation. I think a lot of people don't want to do that because they feel like it's going to be uncomfortable or maybe someone's going to be mad at them. But the truth is by actually being honest and having that clarity, it allows you guys to have a good relationship. Otherwise, there's like that weird money thing between you and that's awkward and weird, right? So contact people and get the money that's owed to you. Definitely organize your bills, like have a folder for your bills where they all are or have some sort of a system that you use where you know where your bills are, you know when they have to be paid. I personally learned this from Kate Northrup. She was my first money mentor. I've had many money mentors because money has been something that was very challenging for me for a long time. And she always talked about having a money love date. Once you have all your bills all nice and organized, schedule a date on the calendar. If you and your partner do finances together, do it together. If you do it by yourself, do it by yourself. Pour yourself some delicious beverage, put on the jazz or whatever music you like to listen to, light a candle, get some 
delicious aromas going, make it feel fancy and sit there and actually go through, pay your bills and have them feel good. And another thing Kate Northrup taught me, which I love is she said, consider bills invoices for blessings already received. So instead of looking at your bills and feeling that like, oh my God, look at it as an invoice for a blessing you've already received. You got power this month. What a blessing. Thank you. It shifts the energy around paying bills to being one that feels very full of gratitude and feels very luxurious as opposed to Mm -hmm. feeling really stressed out like you can't breathe and you might die. (laughs) Yeah. So that is another step to that. (laughs) Yeah. And then we all have lots of gift cards or things like that probably lying around that we haven't used. So go out and use all those. (laughs) Like that's it. If you have a bunch of gift cards lying around, it should be your task this week to go actually spend the money that you've already been given, right? I mean, we're all guilty of this, but it's like, that's money that you have. Money likes to be spent. Money likes to be moved. So don't hold on to those gift cards, especially like use them for what they were meant to be used for, you know? So that's another step. I'm just going to laugh because... I did a show one time and we exchanged wallets and opened everything up. And I had like 10 gift cards, none of them used because I'm always waiting for the, like, I want to spend them. I'm working on spending them. So (laughs) do it. They want to, it's not like you could use that money for anything else. Go to Barnes and Noble and buy the book or whatever it's meant to be used for. Use it. Yeah. You're not alone there. I think a lot of us have that issue. (laughs) And then gather any loose money that you have. Like we have a coin jars, like, don't have money all over the place. If you get extra coins, put them in your coin jar. At the end of the year, you'll have a couple hundred bucks. Yay, you know, to do something fun. Like I said earlier, make sure that your wallet or your purse feels fancy and nice. It doesn't have to be expensive, but it has to make you feel good. We've probably all had that wallet that's like gross. <laughs> and yeah, I think it's important to always, every time we take it out, feel good about it. And then definitely just keep your living space organized and clean. I think decluttering in all of your life trickles down to everything, but there's something about just having everything where it belongs, everything in its place. And that helps your money too, I believe that. So those are steps. No, that's awesome. So you said you had several money coaches and I'm wondering what was your initial relationship with money and how did the awareness that you needed to go on this journey around money sort of evolve? Oh my gosh. It's been a long and winding road. So <laughs> let's see. It all began. There was a point, I must have been in my late 20s, early 30s. I don't remember the exact year, but I do remember that when I first lived to LA, moved to LA as a creative, there was one year I made 13 grand, which I'm still trying to figure out how the heck I survived in Los Angeles on 13 <laughs> grand. I mean, it was like 20 something years ago, but still, I think my rent was $800 wow. a month. So I'm like, how did I do that? So there was a year when I was totally broke. Then there was a year I made six figures and it didn't matter. I still had no money. I was still paycheck to paycheck, broke, broke, broke. And that's when I realized, huh, I think there's something else going on here. I think I might need help because what I realized is it didn't matter how much money I made, I would never have money. And I think a lot of that comes down to what I know now to be the subconscious programming and money blocks that I had from childhood. Now, at the time, I wasn't aware that my subconscious was in charge of so much of my life. But what it is, is growing up in a sort of lower middle class family where we bought our school clothes at the Salvation Army. And I was praised for like, if I've ever got anything at the Salvation Army with a designer label, I would cut it out and just like sew it into all my different clothes for like years. And my parents were like, you're a genius. And my dad was always like, money doesn't grow on trees. And so I had all of these beliefs about being 
very frugal and also that rich people were bad or fake or somehow working class people were more real. I mean, for a long time, I had that belief. Mm -hmm. And so at that point, I don't even remember how I found Kate Northrup, but somewhere on the internet, I'm sure I found her and I took her money love course, which I don't know if she still offers it. I know she has another one now, but it changed my perspective so radically when I realized I was in a relationship with money and I could have a healthy relationship or I could have an abusive relationship, kind of like the one that I was having. And she really reframed for me paying bills, debt, loving your money, being in a relationship with your money, being on top of your money. That's probably my number one piece of advice is pay attention to your money instead of just hiding and pretending like it doesn't exist, right? <laughs> so she was the first one. Yeah. And then there's been many more. <laughs> you make a really good point. I mean, good news, bad news. I think a lot of people think if I have a healthy relationship with money, I'm going to be a billionaire. And the reality is, if we can have a healthy relationship with money, if we can learn to find gratitude in our life experiences and see the value in relationships and travel and experiences, it doesn't matter if we have a billion dollars in the bank or if we have $100,000 in our bank or if we have $100 in our bank. It's more about our mindset and the ability to appreciate whatever comes our way instead of being driven to get that million or billion or whatever that is. And so a healthy relationship doesn't mean I'm automatically going to get $6 million dropped into my bank account. And for some people, they may not even want that responsibility anyway. It's more about being able to see all the possibilities and seeing what has been given from my perspective, that it's really about gratitude and being able to live within your means instead of spending money you don't have. Totally. Absolutely. And this is like one of those manifestation principles where a lot of people think, if I get that thing, then I'm going to feel this way. And that's not how it works. It's first you feel it, and then maybe you get that thing, or maybe you don't even want that thing anymore because you already have that feeling. Because really, the only reason we want money is because it's going to give us a feeling of some sort. We're going to be able to get things that are going to give us a feeling of some sort, right? So if we can feel those feelings first, from a woo perspective, it helps everything flow to us because we're in that grateful place. And we see a lot of people who have a lot of money who are really miserable because they don't have that. So I agree with you there. Yeah. And what do you think about like when you're having a healthier relationship with money, maybe you're not as triggered by your emotions or you might be able to say, oh, there's that voice that says rich people are evil when you get the big check and you can laugh and go, oh, silly voice mm -hmm. right? and maybe be able to manage old stories that might come up and just be able to say, ah, that's an old story. Not serving me. Thank you. <laughs> totally. I always teach people. It's like anytime you have one of those old stories or blocks come up to literally say either out loud or in your head, clear, cancel, delete, and then think the opposite <laughs> or the thing that you want to think because you're just rewiring your neural pathways. That way you're changing your story. And it feels really like a Herculean task when you first start because you're like always clear, cancel, deleting. But eventually it gets to the point where your brain just starts to go to the more positive or healthier way of thinking. Yeah. Absolutely. And I wonder, you know, talking about those voices in your head, a lot of times people say, I still hear my parents talking. At a certain point, it's actually your voice. You're just using their intonations, right? Because at a certain point, we have free choice to say, like, I don't agree with that. So if you're hearing your parents' voice in your head, it actually might be yours. 
Yeah, but that goes back to living unconsciously, right? I think a lot of people have that and don't even recognize that it's their voice, that they have the power to change it. They just go, that's just how it is. That's what I believe without realizing. Maybe you don't believe that. Maybe that's your grandma or your parents or, or whoever belief, right? That's what's going on. Yeah, absolutely. Control, delete, clear, get yeah. that out, get it out. <laughs> exactly. It's like a computer. Clear, cancel, delete. <laughs> clear, cancel, delete. Yeah. Got to get that cancel in. Yeah. Well, let me ask you this. You know, right now we're experiencing more inflation and people are looking for more abundance and it feels like we might be going into scarcity. Do you have any tips on how our listeners could bring more abundance, call it into their lives? Yeah. I mean, I think you really hit on it earlier. Then the number one thing I think to bring in abundance is that feeling of gratitude. And I highly recommend everyone first thing in the morning. First, I recommend everyone meditate, but that's a separate conversation. But second of all, (laughs) after that, I recommend everybody literally make a list of gratitudes. I count them out on my fingers like a little kid. I don't write them down or anything, although you can write them down of just even five things that you're grateful for that day. That energy is a great way to see what you have because our brains are constantly look for evidence of what we believe to be true. And so if you are believing that you have a lot of abundance, you're finding all these things to be grateful for, you're going to find more evidence of that as opposed to, oh, I don't have enough, then you're going to find more evidence of that. So it's really looking toward all that you have. And if you can't find anything in your own life that feels abundant, Look to nature, look at all the colors of green, all the leaves on a tree, all the, I mean, if you have to look at the stars in the sky and find abundance there, but in some way be able to be grateful for some abundance in your life. Yeah. You know, we love to be right. So might as well try to be right about good and healthy things instead of money never comes to me. I never get ahead. Like, let's don't be right on that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) And that's why I think worrying, and I historically have been a pretty big worrier. It's so adorable because when you worry, all you're doing is basically like finding more evidence of all the bad stuff, setting out the attention of all the stuff that you don't want to have to happen. So why not actually look for evidence of all the stuff that you would like to have happen or more (laughs) of in your life? Absolutely. What would you say was your biggest come to Jesus moment about money? I mean, when you found your money mentor and stuff, but was there something, was it just the six figures or was there something that's specific where you just said, oh, Jesus, I got to get this cleared? I think it was definitely that moment when I realized, oh, it doesn't matter how much money I make. I'm going to be broke no matter what. It's like just flowing through my hands like water. That was a real big come to Jesus moment. Like I need to figure this out. And since then, I've had many money mentors. I really feel like, you know, they say new level, new devil. It's like, there's always new money stuff that comes up. I don't know if it's just me or what, but I really enjoy having money mentors. One of my money mentors says, how you do money is how you do everything. Mm. And that is so true. And so I think I'm constantly looking to even make my relationship with money better because I do feel like it's pretty much how you do everything. Absolutely. And I think probably can't say this enough. It's not a one and done oh, I did these 10 little courses. Now my relationship with money is perfect. Never have to look at it again. It's like any relationship. You're in it to the finish. Good, bad, indifferent. We're in it for the long haul. Intentional, conscious, unconscious. It's coming every day. We're making money choices. We're making money decisions, even if we don't realize we're doing it. Yeah, it's like any relationship. If you start neglecting your relationship, guess what? It's going to get all out of whack again. I mean, that money love day is the most important. I love having that weekly check-in with my money. It feels so good. 
believe me, I can understand the feeling if anyone out there is listening to this and going, yeah, is it for you to say like, when I look at my accounts, I feel like I'm going to die because it's so stressful. I get that. I have so been there. I remember opening like credit card bills and being like, they're trying to kill me, you know, like having that (laughs) feeling. But the thing is, is when you actually stay in a relationship with your money and when you look at it every single week and you actually deal with what's happening, good or bad, you do feel very empowered afterwards because you're like, I did that. I am on top of it. Like I'm doing money. You do end up feeling more empowered. I promise that's true. (laughs) Yeah. And I think it's hard for people to believe. I know it was true for me and it sounds like it was true for you. At a certain point, we may make this statement of, I'm never going to be able to get ahead. It works for everybody else, but not for me. And that mindset feels so real in that moment when we're in that depth of despair. And it feels so true that we'll never get out of it. Now, it doesn't happen in five minutes. We don't just say, oh, everything's going to come my way. And then tomorrow, everything comes my way. It took me a while to build up those blocks and sabotage. And it's going to take me a little time to remove the blocks and clear the road and make the journey a little bit more palatable. And so can you talk to that a little bit about, for me, it's a process of starting to, oh, I can't, nope, stop. Let's hiccup. Let's pause that. Nope. Cancel. No, I'm going to, no, I'm never, nope, stop. I can like, right. There's this internal dialogue for me anyway where I had to catch myself starting to go down that old path. Like, I want to go back down that road. It was really comfortable and familiar, even though I hated it. And no, no, stay on the new road, stay on the new road. And eventually it integrates, it anchors, and it takes hold. Yeah, I think that in our current society, there's this myth, and I think it's because everything's instantaneously available to us, that everything is just going to happen quickly. And honestly, some of the best things in life take time. And certainly changing a money story that you've had for your entire life up to this moment might take some time because you've had a whole life of programming before that that was not helpful. So yeah, it does take time, but the journey is really worth it. And when you get to a point where you want to be or where you feel like you don't have to worry about living paycheck to paycheck anymore or whatever it is your money goal is, it feels really good to know that you've done that work. And I say, look for expanders, look for people out there. I mean, what the beauty of the internet is you could find examples of anything you're looking for. So it's like, look for stories out there, find communities out there where people are on a similar journey or where someone has been where you are and now they're at a place where you'd like to be. I guarantee you can find that on the internet and use those stories as evidence that the same is possible for you too, because that's really true. Anytime you see someone who has done something And you feel that pain of like jealousy or like, oh, I wish I could do that, but I couldn't do that. The reason you feel that is because that is meant for you. You could absolutely do that. So I say look for people out there who are expanders for you and know that Gay Hendricks wrote a whole book, The Big Leap, about this, that no matter what level you get to, you're going to hit an upper limit and that's okay. And then you just look for support to push through that upper limit. Even millionaires and billionaires and some of the most successful people in the world have hit blocks and they need help. So Just because you have a block or need help, that's normal. We all have that. Absolutely. And I think, as you were saying, talking about when I see somebody else and, oh, look at them, they got that great job. Or look at them, they took that great trip. If we can step back for a moment and say, isn't that amazing? Look what they did. Oh, and they accomplished that thing. I'm surrounded by people that accomplish things. Instead of, I'm in a group of people where I don't show up. It's, 
I'm surrounded by people that are full of possibilities. It's getting closer to me. Absolutely. And anytime you see someone out there who's been successful at something, you can look at how they did what they did and you can model the same behaviors. And I mean, that's the thing. Success leaves clues. So you can literally see how someone that has become successful at something and then basically model what they did and become successful at it too. I mean, in your own way, of course, we don't copy people, but I think it's a refreshing thing to know that, oh, because they're successful, if I can see, figure out how they did it, I could also do that. Absolutely. Well, Cooper, we are at the Fast Five. The Fast Five is brought to you by Survey Junkie. Join millions who take online surveys and make extra cash. Click on the link in the show notes to learn more. So we're just going to be down and dirty. We're going to go fast. You drive a Mercedes Benz, correct? Yes, that's right. How did you make that choice? How did you make that choice? I didn't go looking for a Mercedes. I actually went looking for a Prius. Then I got in a Mercedes and I was like, oh yeah, I never felt a car feel like that before. And I didn't buy it right away. I thought about it and thought about it. I couldn't get that car out of my mind. And my husband was actually like, you deserve it. Like I had a money block there where I was a little embarrassed about having a Mercedes, but I got it. And it's the best thing. I love my Mercedes so much. It's so much fun to drive. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. What's the coolest thing you've ever spent money on? Oh man, the coolest thing I've ever spent money on. Oh, well, I'm a bass guitar player. I love to play music. It's one of the most important things. And currently I have the best amp, this Mesa Boogie Subway series. It's like so light. It only weighs like eight pounds. And after years of lugging around really heavy amplifiers, this thing, it makes me happy every day. So that's probably one of the coolest things. (laughs) (laughs) That's pretty cool. Yeah. What's the most you've ever spent on spiritual products? (laughs) So much money. Oh my God. I am definitely like a spiritual product junkie. I mean, course-wise, I don't know. It's probably like, (laughs) probably a program that was like 17 grand or something. It was a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Were all the programs worth it? (laughs) Oh, here's the thing. I think it's everyone's responsibility to find value in whatever they do. So even if I've ever enrolled in something where I didn't necessarily get what I wanted to get out of it. There's always something to learn or always something you could take away that was good about it. Or maybe you just learned you're not going to do that again. And that's valuable too. Absolutely. Absolutely. What was your biggest purchase in 2022? Oh, in 2020. I'm like, that's the year we're in, right? (laughs) That's the year we're in. It's almost over. Let's see. Probably my husband and I went to Kauai for a friend's wedding and we definitely went like, first class all the way. So that was probably the most expensive purchase. I totally worth it. It was awesome. That is so cool. What is your favorite money affirmation? I love money and money loves me. (laughs) I love it. I love it. Yes, it does. Yes, we do. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) We're at the M&M spot, the sweet spot, money and motivation. Do you have a practical financial tip or a piece of wealth wisdom that you can share with our listeners, something that's worked for you? Yes, I highly recommend setting that money love date every week, taking time every week to pay your bills, but make it feel nice. Have the nice music, have the aromatherapy going, have a delicious beverage and make it feel good. And then literally pay your bills while remembering that their invoices for blessings already received. And go through your accounts, make sure there's not weird stuff coming. I mean, sometimes if you go through your bank accounts, you'll find weird charges for things you don't know what they are. It's like go through and just be on top of your money. You'll feel so good 
remember to breathe. If it feels stressful, just take some deep breaths. And remember, one of my really great friends said, any problem that can be solved with money is really not that big of a problem. And every time, if I ever feel any stress about money, I just remember that because she's right. It's like, you got your health, you know, you're alive, like money, we can solve that. So just remember that and remember to breathe. And having that weekly check-in with your money is going to make you feel so empowered. Absolutely. Well, Cooper, this has been such a fun conversation. And I think there's a lot of great nuggets in here. And I hope people take that information and run with it. I think it's so important, like you talked about, to really name that gratitude, celebrate when you're paying bills, make it a great experience. Remind yourself that the bills are invoices of gratitude that have already happened. Like these are such great things. It's so important from my perspective that we start to get a little more conscious and actively consciously participate in our financial journey instead of just letting it happen. And so I love that there's one of those laws of active participation that you talked about because we do, we have to participate. And I think that's so important. And it's never too late. Whenever we get in, we get in. When we start to get more conscious, we get more conscious. We can become more intentional. It's not too late and it doesn't happen for everybody else. It can happen for all of us if we're willing to show up and do a little bit of the work. And yes, we might go to those dark moments as many of us have, that it's almost a do or die. And those are important moments. And so there's nothing wrong with that. It's not all fun on the way to transformation, but it's powerful and definitely worth it. So I so appreciate you sharing all that. And I know that you want to share with us access to your Alchemize Your Money Blocks, a mini course. And so we'll put that in the show notes because we want people to be able to do that. Where can people find you online and learn more about you? Yeah, coopergillespie.com is my website. And then I'm always on Instagram. I love Instagram and I'm at coopergillespie on Instagram. So come say hi. Well, Cooper, thank you so much. I appreciate you taking the time and lots of money, wealth coming your way. So thank you so much. Thanks for having me. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Did you learn something new about your relationship to money today? Maybe you have a friend who has some financial blocks or beliefs that are holding them back. Please share this podcast so they too can get off the roller coaster ride of financial fears and journey towards financial freedom. To learn how to have a healthy relationship with money, visit themoneynerve.com. That's nerve, not nerd. We'll be back next week with another perspective on money and the emotions that bind us. Ba-da, ba-da, ba-da.